this algorithm which is changing the world as we are speaking. Like uh, recommendation tools, they want to keep you as long as possible watch, staying on their platform. Okay, so we have around okay. 26 minutes. What do you do for a podcast? I have no <laughs> fucking idea. I was like, okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Weird AI Podcast, where we talk about uncommon applications of AI. I'm your host, Adrian Spotaro, and I'm together with... Bogdan Andrusak. In this episode of the Weird AI podcast, we're going to talk about anime and, and manga. I've been active on Twitter, like for the past months. Now, now, I never was on Twitter ever before, but I found this interesting sub-community in anime. And there's so much anime and AI going on. There's even a Reddit subgroup called r slash anime research. And I personally find more interesting AI papers, state-of-the-art neural networks used for anime than rather, you know, on the normal subreddits like r slash machine learning or something like that. So I found it extremely fascinating that there's so much research going on on AI than in anime, than rather like your mundane stuff. Yeah, I mean, anime is driving force behind the humanity. I mean, it's it's a half joke, but like anime industry is huge. So in 2018, it was worth $19 billion per year. So it's only anime and four additional billion dollars if you include manga. You can imagine a lot of people are watching anime. I'm myself not a big fan of anime. I'm not a hater, but I don't really watch anime. Do you watch anime? When I was younger, I did watch anime, but, you know, I kind of outgrown it. Okay. Started with, you know, with the Naruto, <laughs> with your Yu-Gi-Oh's, and then, you know, some like actually Japanese ones where you read the subtitles in English. But, uh, you know, after a while, I kind of... I don't consume anime content anymore. Yeah, but more, but you outgrow it, but more people uh, grow to like it. So now, like US is becoming a big consumer of anime. A lot of contracts are with you between Japan and the US uh, to create a new anime. I think it will grow over time. I already saw that going on. Like there is a Netflix of anime called Crunchyroll. It's, as mentioned, just Netflix, but only with anime content. I found it very interesting because there, I would say, certain steps ahead of Netflix when it comes to AI. And maybe they're not known for the recommender system, but they're known for something else. And that is AI upscaling. The, in, the thing is, a lot of the, the content on Crunchyroll are anime made for standard definition TV resolution. That's like 4080p. But most consumers nowadays consume their content in full HD, right? 1080 and even 4K. Yeah, and if you think about old shows like, you know, 80s, 90s, there's a lot of popular shows that people still watch and they want to watch that, yeah, on your 4K. So there is definitely demand for it. As always, AI is here to help you. So I've read technical blog posts from Crunchyroll and they talked about like how, how we could upscale like these 480p videos to like full, full HD and even 4K. And they've initially tried like some classical computer vision techniques like 
bilinear interpolation and, and bicubic interpolation. But the problem is that these techniques, they don't offer good results. Images tend to get blurry, and also they have a lot of image artifacts. They, what they came up with is that they used a open source library called YFO2X, which is a modified neural network called Super Resolution Deep Convolution Neural Network. So it, the shorthand is CRCNNN. Well, you got me on the waifu part, so <laughs> I'm listening. It's basically a neural network which has a small image as an input, and the output of the neural network is just the bigger resolution of it. This waifu2x algorithm was trained on like millions of images, image pairs with the smaller and bigger resolution. And yeah, the goal was we use this convolutional networks to understand how to upscale these images that is meaningful. They've tried to do this on some 360p resolution, scale it up to 7020p. They achieved, I think, 97% accuracy. So that means that if you have the original image and use this AI, you could get almost 97% of the original image. This is really good because you could then have very great image quality when it, when you want to upscale it to like 1080 or 4K resolution. They used it two ways. The first one was to locally upscale the videos. So that would mean that I, as Crunchyroll, will upscale it before and then sending it to you. Or the second variation is to actually do the upscaling in real time. The application of this is that you, as the client, you will receive the low resolution image and then you locally will upscale it with the AI in real time. But would it require me as a customer to download some software or how would it work? So what they have it, they, they just have it locally. So on the web browser, you would just enable this feature that you would want to do the upscaling locally and it will just use your GPU. So you need some kind of GPU to run it. In that case, it actually works quite well. It's, that it's not so resource intensive. And the advantage is that even though you're, you have, let's say, a 4K monitor, the biggest issue with 4K is that the bandwidth is too high. So by using this AI technology, you could have less bandwidth by getting the low resolution image on, on your PC and then upscaling it with your AI technology. And uh, they've used some algorithm called Anime 4K, which is basically waifu 2k but made for real-time processing okay that's pretty fascinating and talking about waifus i remember there were quite a lot of projects that were aimed on um, creating your virtual waifu and for those who are not enlightened waifu is just picture of anime girl of your desires and people tend to like them and the people started making algorithm to create such pictures it all started i believe with the first iteration of guns so as soon as guns were introduced people started like it can generate people but can it generate waifus or anime and the issue was that it had its problems uh, with generating waifus. But when the style gun was introduced, which is another form of gun, it was 
solved quite well. So now you can go to the website like this waifu doesn't exist and have a bunch of different waifu material. And <laughs> yeah, and you can use it to any purpose you want. But I guess uh, it's it's can sound silly and without purpose. But when you think about how much work is done in animation and having such possibilities to automatize creation of animation, you it's it can increase the amount of anime that we get every year exponentially. That's true, Bogdan. I want to recall your statement that with StyleGAN it's quite easy. That is now true recently. However, using StyleGAN out of the box won't work. There's a small community called on Discord called TPU Podcast, and they are actively training a lot of StyleGANs, big GANs for anime generation. So waifu generation more specifically. They observed that the original StyleGAN doesn't work as well as for human faces. And this is due to the fact that things like clear lines and sharpness and like uh, cell-like shading, these properties which are common in anime are quite hard for GANs to render. They've made a lot of improvement using state-of-the-art optimization things, trying even pushing further further out of the state of the art to get good results. So it's actually a not easy problem to solve per se, like just use StyleGAN. It's StyleGAN with a lot of other little tricks to make it work. Of course, it's not a StyleGAN, but you can find how to do it already. So it's a quite a solved problem. You can, uh, I mean, the author of this the website, uh, this wife who doesn't exist, has it pretty quite could documented so you can recreate all of his uh, all of his experimentations and achieve same results. So yeah, go check this wife who doesn't exist and uh, check the author blog. It's it's a great job. Speaking of waifus, some people like to get their own anime version of themselves. Maybe you have seen this TikTok filter or even Snapchat filter where you would have your face transformed to an anime equivalent. And um, there they're using state-of-the-art algorithms, something called You Got It, which is basically an image-to-image translation algorithm. And yeah, it's just fascinating that you see these you know, state-of-the-art algorithms applied for something not so meaningful as in like generating anime faces. Yeah, but uh, you know, it brings entertainment value. And I think like at this point, AI becomes a part of everybody's life. So it's not just about like, you know, big companies using AI. It's now it's yeah, it's part of our everyday life. And sometimes you don't even think which technology is powered by machine learning or AI or, you know, whatever it is, but it's already here and it would be nice to recognize the work of people uh, done in that. Do you think that in the future we're going to have AI-generated anime? Yeah, I think the, the development is moving there. So now guns generate static images, but there's another, there's work to animate static images. So I think when it will be combined, it would be able to generate whole 
videos, but I think it's like, you know, give it uh, five years or something like that together. Because, yeah, you know, the original paper for GAN was when released in 2014. Yeah, and, like that, yeah. yeah, and in 2019 we had, you know, a generator purposely made for anime. So from there we can move to generating whole anime videos. What do you think is the ethical application since, you know, I think the industry is relying a lot on animators and also artists to generate, to draw all these anime and mangas. How do you think they will affect the industry? I think it would be, would affect positively, especially uh, making automatized uh, mundane work because, for example, coloring. So, for example, manga, manga is always black and white for purpose to save resources because usually manga is drawn by one person and it takes from eight to ten hours just to draw one page. If coloring could be automatized, then manga can be colored. But now people are used to black and white, so... But I think like when you want to sell to Western markets, like as you mentioned, US is becoming a bigger market, big consumer in anime in general. I think the need of converting manga to like comic books basically mm -hmm. becomes um, more bigger and bigger. And also in production of like anime video, let's say, it's always starts, you know, with the line work and then colored. So now there is algorithms which can uh, help to just color so you provide the line work and you provide like a colors and it will fill the line work i think it was this article you sent me was a pain pain storage a user guide anime line art colorization so you know the, the idea is very simple you have a line work and you provide for each section a bunch of pixels for color and then it will fill it with the color so not just like a paint bucket tool but you know much better so if this can be automatized then yeah then it would uh, make people work less and like more work less on mundane tasks so they can work on stuff like creating more new stories where working on the plots and stuff like that so i think it would be a positive impact overall speaking of writing the text and you know the the plot itself i've seen everybody heard of gpt3 and you know this algorithm which is changing the world mm -hmm. as we are speaking that's gpt2 so i could imagine gpt3 is like basically the 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 antichrist when it comes to that. <laughs> now, you know, some months has passed since GPT-3 and we're already seeing some startups emerging in this creative field of text generation. And there are already some startups helping people write creatively. You could say like, you know, you write something and then the AI would like maybe enrich your text, uh, but also give you like, oh, what about we go in this direction with, with the story? I think it's not only that the drawing itself is changing, but also I think text itself, like the, the way way the plots are written, the dialogue and everything, I think it's also there changed with the GPT-3 based models, but maybe in the future something else. Yeah, uh, uh, but it opens a horrible question of intellectual property. Yeah, I think there is like, you know, there is already some regulations in place, but who owns the stuff produced by the model? 
I think you have to distinguish two things. If I recall correctly, I might be wrong, but if I recall correctly, is that if you use, let's say, copyrighted images for your image classifier, that's fine because you cannot reconstruct the original image based on your model, right? It can, you give an image and it will just generate it like, okay, it's a car or a horse or a cat. So it, it won't have the capability to recreate the original artwork. Therefore, not a, a violation of the copyright law. But when it comes to like text generation, that's maybe quite sensible since, you know, if it's able to gen, like write maybe a part of Shakespeare or Hamlet, right? <laughs> then uh, maybe it's an issue in that yeah, regard. I, I meant it in different way, not just what was used in train set produced as output. I meant in a way, you know, you so you you use GPT-3 and it generates your text, you know, it's perfect, nice plot, but do you own this plot or OpenAI owns this plot because it was produced by GPT-3? And if you use their version of GPT-3, so they trained it, so they, it's kind of their yeah, but you have to distinguish what is the model and what is the output. You do not automatically own the output if you own the model, yeah, right? It's a, so I think it's like if you use algorithm to train your own model with your whatever data you have, then, then everything is belongs to you. But if you use pre-trained model from, let's say, OpenAI, you use OpenAI API for that, then it becomes blurry. But, you know, this is the question more for a legal department. Yeah, I think until we don't see the first lawsuit in that direction, it's still like an open question, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but nobody is actually suing anyone for now. But, you know, in the future, if these... Uh... I mean, nobody is making money on it yet, let's say. It just... Well, I mean, GPT-3... Common cr crawl, common... Common crawl corpus. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. Yeah, that that data set, you know, that's like web script information. There's a lot of, you know, copyright material like blog posts and stuff like this. Yeah. So there's already a model out there. You could say it's already violated. You are at least using copyrighted data in their training to make money. Like one thing is the company using internally and we don't know, right? Okay, he's, how can you prove that you're using copyright data? We have, don't have access. But we know because the papers published that they're using this data set. Yeah, but okay, let's, let's go back on track to anime. So anime, we, we started talking about completely generating whole anime as a, you know, animation just with AI. Is it possibility? I think yes, in future, because I think the entertainment as whole is moving into this sector of like personalized, generated entertainment. And I think Corona and these lockdowns had contributed a lot to it. So people, you know, people are staying at home, they are watching, you know, your Netflix, your Crunchyroll and whatever, whatever. And those platforms, they want to have personalization, you know, like a recommendation tools. They want to keep you as long as possible watch, staying on their platform. So if they can provide you a content on demand generated for your needs or your interests, then it would be, you know, a next step. 
but again it's not gonna happen soon but it may move to to that direction for example you know we saw a lot of you know meme when memes when the you know Nic- Nicolas Cage is uh, used as every actor in a movie so maybe we will see something like that where you like select your own actors for the cast or stuff like that We could definitely see something like that when when image generation becomes as good as you know we seeing the progress going so far. I could definitely see automatic video creation. But let, let's you know take a step back, like back to the present now. So we talked so far about you know generating images. We've we've you know kind of figured that out. We talked about like generate lined anime to the colored version of it. And also stuff like, you know, this image-to-image translation where you maybe have a face actor and you would basically animate the face, facial expressions and get the anime equivalent of that, what we saw with TikTok and Snapchat. So one thing we can also do with AI is um, frame interpolation. So in most anime is done in very low frames per second, so maybe 12 or 24 frames per second. So with AI, you can already increase the number of frames per second, let's say 60 or something like this, where the AI just figure out what are the missing frames between them. What this would imply is that you as an art, artist, more specifically the animator, you need to draw less frames because you can interpolate between your frames more, right? If your anime is good, then that's not, uh, not anime. Your, I mean, hopefully also your anime is good because <laughs> you need to sell that darn thing. But I'm talking about the AI itself is good at interpolating, then you could have um, less work in animating, right? If it can interpolate, let's say, twice amount of frames, then you have twice less work, right? Mm-hmm. So I could see at least that's the, diff- the next step, I think, in the AI industry. But isn't, isn't it working when you like have by standard, let's say you have 24 and then you can upscale it same way to 60 FPS, you still have to draw 24? So that's true, right? If you, the more frames you have, the better it will become if you want to increase the number of uh, frames per second. However, I've seen on YouTube some people trying to apply this algorithm for stop animation. So stop animation, or I don't know how exactly it's called, is that where you use the physical world to 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 create a picture and animate it, and it's like every frame is just a photo. So. Exactly, yeah. So you can see this with clay animation, right? Do you know the animation called Pingu? Ah, yeah, Pingu yeah. and this British ones. Uh... Gromel and whatever, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I forgot how it's called. Exactly. So these are like stop animations. And um, this person made a Lego stop animation and he he played with his algorithm and he, he I think he got like, he had only 12 frames and he got like 60 frames per, per second and it was so fluid, really good results. It needed some minimal editing. That's true. It wasn't perfect, but the amount of, work the AI did for the thing, for the animation, was uh, very beneficial. So I think, yeah, if you have more, it's better. But, I mean, you can still work it out with half the frames, what you normally produce. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, it's also like to, to the topic of complete generation. It's important to understand that AI will help to reduce mundane work and uh, make the process faster. It cannot, for now, replace... The, your comp- complete work you just just helps for now 
Yeah, AI and creativity, it's not there yet. The less creative the work, the easier it is for the AI. <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that's a whole point. Like, give creative people, do creative work and reduce mundane work. So they can be creative full-time and not creative, part-time creative, part-time <laughs> mundane. <laughs>